1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in. It is Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Be sure to follow on your Odyssey app, A U D A C Y, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get the latest episodes downloaded as soon as they are available. We're trying to recover from these three regulation losses in a row in the Metro division, twice to the Isles in comeback fashion by New York, and uh, an ugly game, uh, uh, an ugly loss at home of the Devils as well. And look ahead without great fear because Thursday at BBG Paints Arena, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Oilers come to town. Perfect guy to talk to about all of it from TSN 1260 in Edmonton. Does the afternoon show there, Jason Greger. Jason, thanks for taking some time today, man. We really appreciate it.
1: Anytime, Chris. How you doing? Doing
0: great, doing great. Um, I was telling people earlier You know, the Oilers are in a Western Conference that isn't quite as deep and competitive as the Eastern Conference this year, and obviously are much younger and faster than the Penguins are at this point. The Penguins the oldest team in the league now, but it feels like they're going through some similar issues, uh, i.e. having to deal with cap issues that are making possible trade deadline maneuvers difficult. Uh, In some cases, playing with a short bench like they have the last couple of games uh, between injuries and cap situations blowing third period leads like they did Sunday out in Denver, uh, a multiple goal third period lead uh, in that case to the avalanche and the Penguins, uh, you actually cited in one of your columns recently have the worst record in the league when it comes to losing third games in the third period. So what should we expect to give on Thursday night when the Oilers come to Pittsburgh? Because the Oilers, it, I don't want to say they don't have as much to fight for right now. They're still locked in a playoff battle. There's still a third of the season left. But the Penguins, I think for a lot of us here in Pittsburgh, we're hoping, fingers crossed, knock on wood, would find some next level of desperation given the way things have gone for them the past week or so. So what do you expect to go down on Thursday?
1: Well, uh, whoever has a lead in the third period, you probably shouldn't feel safe. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Pens, of course, have lost uh, what they're uh, they've lost eight times, and I include overtime or shootout losses as a loss. Like that's sure, not a sure. win; it's a loss. So they've lost eight. Uh, that's the most in the league. And the orders have lost uh, six, which is tied with Colorado and a few other teams for second most. The orders have actually blown three goal leads, three nothing leads in the last two games. They had a two goal lead entering the third against the Rangers and the Penguins, and blew them both. So you know they they play uh, Philadelphia. On, uh, on Tuesday, and, you know, I expect a much better effort for the orders and You know, the Penguins are below them in the standings. Columbus, their next three games. The funny thing is, Edmonton, from January 1st until the All-Star break, was one of the best defensive teams in the league. And, uh, you know, they're the best scoring team in the league. Offense isn't a problem in Edmonton. They're You know, they're circa a young Crosby-Malkin of uh, 2008 to 2014 kind of thing, where scoring's never an issue. But right. defending is an issue in Edmonton. And it wasn't for about six weeks, but it's really – popped up the last three games. And, you know, a lot of it's really their best guys. Like, for, for the longest time, Edmonton's depth scores got outscored. This year, without McDavid and Matt and uh, Drysaddle on the ice, the orders are, are plus, uh, plus 14. And they're actually plus 17 since January 1st, which is unreal. If if your third and fourth lines are outscoring the opposition by a goal a game, usually you're going to win when you got McDavid and Drysaddle. But McDavid and Drysaddle collectively – on the ice are actually minus five on five. Now, granted, it's only it's only minus two, but still it's minus. Like these guys were combined plus 71 the last two years, five on five. So it's been a problem. Goaltending's been an issue. It's not just like it's those two, but you know what? Your best players got to be your best players to win. And lately um the Oilers' best guys are getting scored on too much. So uh they're gonna have to rectify that against the penguins. And you know right now Edmonton has the younger talent So in theory, they should be able to beat the Pens, but whether they do or not remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, you cite the work at five on five and even strength that you know the last couple of years was still a clear advantage. Obviously, expect McDavid and Drysaito to do the bulk of their work or a great deal of their work on the man advantage, but five on five, they were very good the last couple of years, and to kind of come back down to earth this year is, I guess, surprising, especially given the success we're seeing Connor, Connor McDavid have. I, I just. This is a a Lemieux Gretzky like season. We just haven't seen an offensive season like this in a long time. So, does it feel like? Does it feel like? I guess McDavid, Drysital, and the top two lines, Evander Kane, when he's healthy, are those guys? You mentioned that the depth lines are pulling their weight, but is there a pressure at all on those guys that are on the ice with McDavid to to sort of feed him as as we'll see teams do when stars are on a run or stars are producing like he is.
1: I haven't really seen it because Zach Hyman and Nugent Hopkins are, they're hovering in the top 20 and scoring. So they're all producing, right? Um, I, I don't, I haven't seen, you know, uh, oh, we're trying to force the puck to, to McDavid, right? Like McDavid's never been an elite goal scorer. It's kind of like Crosby in that sense, right? Crosby only scored 50 goals once. Um, now McDavid's going to score 50 this year for the first time in his career, but he, you know, he's historically more of a playmaker than he is a, a shooter. And I'll, I'll be honest, McDavid's goals for against aren't really reflective of chances for against. Um, the save percentage when he's on the ice hasn't been great, but neither is his on ice shooting percentage. Like the guys around him, you know, like McDavid up until two weeks ago was on pace for his worst five on five assist total of his career. And it's not because he's shooting more either. Uh, significantly more like a little bit but it's more so guys weren't finishing so I don't I don't think McDavid's actually really played that bad to be honest five on five he's got a lot of unluckiness if you want to call it that but the truth is you know what we can talk expected goals Chris all we want expected goals are nice but last I check expected goals don't show up on the score sheet there's either real goals or there's not and when you're getting outscored and it's coming up on game 60 that's a problem.
0: What is the feeling out in Edmonton, Jason, about this team and where the expectations are and where they have to be, where they have to get in the next couple of years in order to feel like the expectations are being paid off on? Because you watch a game like Sundays, like I mentioned, against the Avalanche. And for everybody else in the world, that's a thrilling game to watch, right? It's two of the most offensively gifted teams in the league, if not the two most offensively gifted teams in the league. Superstars on both sides. It goes to overtime. It's got a comeback involved, all that. Great fun to watch unless you're an Oilers fan and you're left sitting there going, man, this feels like last spring in the playoffs all over again. And this is a team that I would imagine has to pay off on some of the promise of the McDavid era at some point sooner rather than later is that the feeling sort of the bubbling feeling out there
1: oh oh yeah order fans are like enough's enough like they they want ken holland to throw in the bathroom sink the kitchen sink you know (laughs) the shower whatever it takes uh, to, you know, to make a significant trade, and and I can see that. I think there's some validity now. Edmonton did go to the conference final last year, mm-hmm. um, so you know, now there's no guarantee that you go to the conference final every year. We, you know, at that Pittsburgh in their heyday didn't get to the conference final every year, right? Like, look at Ovechkin, how many years it took to finally get out of the second round? So there's never a guarantee uh, of of success. I think last year was a good taste for Edmonton. Uh, I look at what they need. Ideally, they need a first pair right defenseman. Yeah, good luck going to find one at the deadline. Now there is one and I've outlined it for many months and people kind of scoffed at me when I said Eric Carlson, Eric Carlson's elite. Now you would have to get San Jose to retain about four and a half million, which has never been done before. But guess what? No one thought a team was ever going to buy out Suter and Parise in the same year and have dead cap space. So San Jose is in a rebuild. They might be willing to do it depending on what you offer them. But that's something I know the orders have made an offer to, uh, to San Jose on that regard. Um, you know, having, hasn't been accepted. So now they'll go through the process to see if they can make a trade or not. But that's, I think, the big step. You get a number one right defenseman, then Cody Ceci can slot down better where he's suited as a second pair of D-man. And when guys are suited in their positions better, everybody has more success. Um, but there is lots of pressure in Edmonton. There's no, well, there's no doubt about it. Um, the fan base—they—they uh, they want continued success. You want a deep playoff run. Obviously, they'd love a Stanley Cup. And and I think there's a small section of the fans who are like, well, geez, if they don't win in the next three years, Connor McDavid might leave. And I get it, but I always counter with this thought: outside of John Tavares, which superstar has left his team right. for free agency? Right, like it, it's talked about lots. But it doesn't really happen. And if if McDavid and Drysdale, let's say they go to the conference final or a Stanley Cup, but they don't win in the next three years, but they make it there twice. So let's say he's, wow, not good enough. Now I'm going to leave. Well, where is he going to go that he's going to ensure that he's going to have a teammate as good as So There's very few guys in the league, maybe a handful, right? Crosby's older now. He's not there. So there's McKinnon. They're not going to afford him with McKinnon and Rantanen, right? There's Matthews. And uh, maybe that's it. Like David Pasternak's pretty good, but he's a winger. So I don't know if I put anybody else there. So wherever he goes, he's not going to get the you know the same running mate as Drysidle. And then so it's not as easy as everybody thinks to say, well, just up and leave. If they stay close, then I think there's a good chance both of them will resign because. They probably got a better chance sticking together. It's like Crosby and Malkin, right? Like look at Malkin. He, and he had no problem being second fiddle, even though he won a heart trophy like Dry And I've I've long argued that if Jenny Malkin is one of the more underrated players in NHL history because he played in Sid's shadow. But the minute Sid was gone, everybody in Pittsburgh saw how great Malkin was because he was like, Oh, I get to be the number one guy. And he never complained when he wasn't the number one guy. Well, yeah, what do you get? What's
0: the sense you get from Drysaddle and McDavid about their desire if either has any
1: at all to prove that they don't need the other guy does that oh I don't well McDavid definitely not and I don't even think for dry like he won a hard trophy already right he he won a scoring title um he's outscored McDavid like those guys are one two in in league scoring and for lots of the time dry doesn't play with McDavid now they run 11 forwards lately and so those guys will get a few shifts a game together not predominantly when they're healthy because now that you have better wingers right, with Kane and and um, Hyman and Nugent Hopkins when he's there. But I went back and looked. When the Penguins won their, their – when they went to back-to-back cups in 08 and 09, guess who Sidney Crosby's most common linemate in the, in the regular season was? Jenny Malkin, right? Like, why wouldn't you play them together? Because they're great and they couldn't be stopped. And then each year, Pittsburgh, you know, got Bill Guerin's or other Marion Hoses and legit guys so you could spread them out. But until you got Kane and Hyman, Edmonton just didn't have that option. So the coach would be like, well, let's load up our two best guys. But I think that they know if, if they go to separate, but now you could run Hyman, Kane, and Nugent Hopkins as your second line and load up McDavid and Drysidle. And why not? If they're unstoppable, why wouldn't you do it? Like it would, it would be stupid not to.
0: That's scary. That's scary. Um, before I let you run, Jason, uh, you're, you're not just plugged in in Edmonton, but around the league as well. So I'll ask you, what is the overarching thought north of the border of where the Penguins are at, where they should be, and whether Ron Hextall is the guy to get them to that point or not?
1: You know, it's fascinating the playoff race in the East this year, right? Like there's the six teams that are in, and there's no debate on those six. But then there's really six teams now battling for two spots. And you've got you've got the legendary Capitals and Penguins, who have been two of the most dominant teams for the last 15 years in the league. But they're getting older. And age, I don't care, you know, it catches up with everybody. Um, I, I don't think it's caught up individually to Sidney Crosby, but I think collectively as a group it's caught up to the Penguins a bit. And so they haven't shown any any reason to want to rebuild, nor should they. I think we're great players. Sidney Crosby can be great for another five years. Look at LeBron James. Look at Tom Brady. Like Sidney Crosby's a freak of nature. The guy's always working out. If I was a Penguins fan, I wouldn't be worried about how he's going to age. He's aging fine. But it's the rest of their team, right? Like they got to get younger and got to get faster. Um, in, in other areas of their team so I think they have a tough decision if you're Hextall do you move a Brian Dumoulin for instance at the deadline who would have a lot of value he's a Stanley Cup winner he's a solid defensive defenseman and because Buffalo's coming they're on the way up young guys right Detroit's on their way up um, the Islanders I don't know what the Islanders are to be honest but uh, you know Florida's a big underachiever that's the one team I'd still be worried about I think you know Barkoff they get healthy. And if they get even a semblance of goaltending, you know, that they should be able to push to the playoffs, but you know, the penguins, all their games in hand will help them. Right. No question. There's only Detroit and Buffalo and they're ahead of them by three points. So when I look at the penguins, I still, I'm like, until they actually miss the playoffs, I can't, I can't count out Crosby and Malkin. I just can't do it. Right. Yeah. So, but where are they going in the future? They've got to find a way to shed some veteran salary and, and look around the league. Look at how many players, that are making a million dollars could be good contributing players lots look at taylor radish in chicago for instance people has a throw-in in that deal that's got 14 goals million bucks at 14 goals right so when you're crosby and malkin you get a guy who has good hockey sense and skill they'll score 15 to 18 goals playing with them you've got Gensel as a legit score so you know you know you might not be lucky enough to have six legit top-line players but when you got crosby and malkin if you find some smart competent cheap guys that will help the roster uh, change over. Because I don't think they're going to go rebuild until Crosby retires. Why would you? It would make no sense.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm totally in lockstep with you. I think Sidney Crosby will play like Tom Brady until he's 45 because he just loves the game that much. Uh and as long as they can keep the pieces in, in orbit around him, they'll be okay. The question here in Pittsburgh has been why are we spending 7 million dollars on Jeff Carter and Kasperi Kapanen who Yeah. Just like been- you know
1: what? like those guys um yeah, you got you got to shed some of those type of salary. But if you go around the league, I always try to remind fans go down and there's very few teams like Boston's the exception this year, Mm -hmm. but there's very few teams that don't have a bunch of guys in the middle that aren't producing from year to year. Like um, where you look and say, geez, we're paying these three guys 9 million and they got to combine 12 goals. What the hell is going on? Right? Like there's lots of teams that have that. So Pittsburgh's not unique, but each fan base, it stands out to them what their problems are. And then good GMs will find a way to maybe shed one or two of them, right? Like Jeff Curtis had an unreal career, but Father Time's just catching up with them. And if Jeff Copper made a million bucks,
0: oh, you know,
1: it, it might it be worth it. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So that's where they, th- the, the Penguins, if there's one thing they have to look at is say, okay, we want to get the veterans, but let's go shopping in free agency for veterans on July 15th that you can sign for a million bucks. And they're probably going to have just as good a chance to score as many points or goals as the guy who signed for 3 million a week earlier.
0: We'll see if Ron Hextall gets a chance to be that guy who goes shopping for those ingredients. Jason, great stuff, man. Really looking forward to Thursday night's game. Should be a fun one. Like I said, Pens should have a little bit more desperation in their step. Hopefully put together a 60-minute effort. And the Oilers looking to do the same, Given both teams troubles in the third period with the lead. Thanks so much for the time, man. I really do appreciate it.
1: Chris, Anytime, man. Uh, glad to be on the fifth-half uh, faceoff. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's almost like... Being in a time machine watching the Oilers, as Jason alluded to there a couple minutes ago, when you watch McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins and all the talent on that, a young, speedy talent on that Oilers roster, he's right. It's like going in a time machine and looking back at the 2009 Cup champ Penguins, um, who are now the oldest team in the league. I didn't want to go out on a negative note like that, but no. Out on a positive note, it'll be a really, really entertaining game. At least it should be. On Thursday night between the Pens and the Oilers. I think you hope if you're a Pens fan that it's not quite as entertaining as the rest of the world wants it to be and that they simplify things and perhaps don't get in too much of a back and forth with a team as fast and talented as the Oilers. And if that's the case, maybe they get off this schneid off this losing streak and start to make something of the games in hand that they have. Ahead of a weekend back to back, or oh no, another dreaded back to back this weekend. A trip to St. Louis on Saturday afternoon and then back home for the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday night. We'll get into that, though, on Friday and reaction to Penn's Oilers as well. Don't forget, subscribe, follow the podcast inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Be sure to download and listen to every episode. You can go back to old episodes, too. Believe me, they're not out of date. In fact, you go back and listen to those, it'll help get you, gain you a greater perspective on where this team is at right now. And, of course, get all your future episodes once you've followed and subscribed inside your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts to Fifth Avenue faceoff.